This episode is sponsored by Art History Kids. Invite creative fun into your school plans and inspire your kids. Art History Kids makes art appreciation effortless. All of the info is provided so you get to enjoy the engaging conversation and provide your kids with an opportunity for self-expression. Without all of the prep and planning, art is a great way to round out your curriculum, which can tend to be more academic and less creative for many of us. Art History Kids is unique because of the open-ended approach that encourages creative thinking and makes art time intentional and meaningful. Kate, what does your family enjoy about Art History Kids? So we've been doing Art History Kids for a couple of years now, and I like how simple it is in terms of being able to execute and actually follow through with the projects. But also my absolute favorite part is how Art History Kids weaves so many subjects into each lesson. And it's super, if you like self-learning, this is a super stealthy way to get messy with your kids and have a good time, but they'll be learning so much more. To get your first month free in the studio, a $25 value, use the code SISTERS at arthistorykids.com sisters. Again, to learn more about the studio and sign up for your free month, visit arthistorykids.com sisters by December 11th. Art History Kids is also hosting a free Nutcracker Art Week from November 30th through December 4th. Listeners can sign up at www.arthistorykids.com nutcracker. Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Kara, and we're two homeschooling moms doing this homeschooling thing right beside you. We don't have it all figured out, but one thing we know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Hey, Kate. Hey, Kara. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I, you know, I'm, I'm better now. I feel like my shoulders sort of like left my ears after this conversation with Tish Oxenreiter. Um, Definitely. I think a lot of us are holding a lot of stress about the holidays, trying to figure out what things are going to look like this year. And of course, we're recording this before U.S. Thanksgiving, but it'll be coming out the week of U.S. Thanksgiving. And then almost as soon as Thanksgiving is done, we jump right into Advent if we celebrate, which starts November 29th. And there's a little bit of a feeling for me of like, ah. <laughs> I don't know like about you. You want it to be fun and memorable, <laughs> but you also are exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, I think a lot of pressure um, on families right now to feel like they have to create like extra magic because things aren't happening the way that they have happened in the past. So um, I think we feel like, how are we going to make everything special and fun when, you know, maybe we're in a situation where we can't celebrate with who we usually celebrate with or, you know, other traditions like going to, we used to go to see the Nutcracker each year and they're not having it. This year. So, I mean, things like mm-hmm. that that just have changed. And so you're kind of like, what do I do? And now we talk to Tish and it's like, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> There's another way. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a better way. <laughs> <laughs> but there is. Like, um, she has a brand new book 
that just came out called Shadow and Light about celebrating Advent. And it's just such an invitation to slow down and really take some time. It felt, the whole conversation felt very like Huga to me, which is something that we're yes. huge on here. Um, we have, how many Huga episodes do we have? Two or three? I think we have two, but a lot that would be considered under the Huga umbrella, I think. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> under the Huga umbrella. And we'll, so we'll link to those in the show notes over at thehomeschoolsisters.com. But um, yeah, it, it just felt very like slow intentional even she points out that you know there's really like a lot of us we know the song the 12 days of christmas but people don't actually remember that that starts on christmas and goes to epiphany so you have like time that you don't have to rush everything she's talking about like that's when they bake their cookies and i was like why have i never thought of that before (laughs) why have i always felt like you know as soon as Christmas is over, we have to take down the tree and go to the first day of co-op and then like school starts again. And then it's just like, you just go and go and go until May. <laughs> right. So, Or that Christmas is a finish line or a yeah. goal to get everything done by. Yeah. Yeah. And that, um, y- you just have to like cram it all in. And my mom has always said Christmas is a season and I'm like, yeah, but everybody still wants to come over on the 25th. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get what you're saying, but, you know. The reality is. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just a really good conversation with Tish, who um, many in the homeschooling world know very well. So Tish Oxenreiter is a writer, a podcaster, and the best-selling author of three books, most notably at Home in the World, which documents her family's adventure traveling the world and, of course, world schooling, which I is love really neat to read from a homeschooling perspective. She also runs a popular newsletter called Books and Crannies, leads an annual bookworm leads annual bookworm pilgrimages to London, and is a podcaster at The Good List. Learn more at tishoxenrider.com. And, of course, we'll have those links in the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com. And today she is joining us to talk about her forthcoming book, Shadow and Light, A Journey into Advent. We have gotten preview copies. It is absolutely beautiful. So, I mean, she talks about, you know, kind of having it be something that you can actually display is kind of part of your holiday and it is it's just a gorgeous research and so thoughtfully put together she even includes you know the dates for advent for the next 10 years for when it starts because um you know i know i kind of end up frantically googling and especially this year with it being right after thanksgiving um that kind of throws a lot of us into this like oh no i'm already two days behind but I mean, listen to this conversation. You can't be behind. You it's can't so be behind. Beautiful. It's so wonderful. So should we jump into our conversation with Tish? Yes, we should. Okay. Hi, Tish. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for being here today. This is really exciting to get to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um. So we are going to be talking quite a bit about your new book today and Advent. Not everybody might necessarily be familiar with um, the idea of Advent. I mean, I know um, 
for a lot of folks, it's like chocolate calendars and Lego calendars and things like that. So um, can you tell us just a little bit more about Advent? Yeah, that was my experience too. When I first uh, looked, not even looked into the idea, you know, growing up and, and being in the home that I was in, I didn't really think anything of Advent other than it was a word I heard at church around Christmas time. And then, yeah, the grocery stores had those calendars. Um, so I didn't really know much about it. I didn't grow up in an environment that really recognized it as a as an official thing. But um, I had since come to learn when once I became a parent and my kids were kind of at an age where they could understand a little bit more of what Christmas was about, but they were still really young. And so I wanted some form of scaffolding to sort of hold up our time a little bit. And so I had known Advent was a thing. I didn't know much about it, though. Um, but, you know, I can cut to the chase and tell you what it really is, and it sort of juxtaposes what I thought it was for those several years when my kids were younger, but Advent, turns out, is exactly that. It's scaffolding to mark our time. It holds up our time in a very historic, ancient way because the global church has recognized Advent as part of the liturgical calendar for centuries now, and what it the word advent means waiting and so it really is an, a season of anticipation and expectation and arrival and so it's officially the four sundays before christmas day so that means it doesn't always start on december 1st like i always thought growing up you know it's not a a 24 day countdown it's the four sundays before ad uh, before christmas and it is a slow process of walking from darkness to light in recognition of what we recognize on Christmas. And then if you really want to get nerdy about the liturgical calendar, once we get into Christmas Day, then that becomes the season of Christmas, which is 12 days long. Mm -hmm. And so they dovetail really nicely um, when you see it as two separate seasons, even though Advent really is sort of the on-ramp in a way to Christmas. But that's definitely not how I saw it for many years before then. Yeah. And you mentioned it doesn't start on December 1st. This year, it's actually because I know people are going to be scurrying to their phones going, when is Advent this year? <laughs> and I love that in the back of your book, you have it for the next 10 years. Thank you. Right. Thank you for doing yes, that for us. <laughs> well, and the reason is because I have to Google it every single yeah. year. Like, wait, when is Advent this year? So I figured I'll just Google it for everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this year is November 29th. So everybody like don't don't pull over, just it'll be in the book. <laughs> but um, you also don't have to like stop and Google right now if you're, you know, in the middle of doing something else. So <laughs> yeah, and I think what's especially helpful for those of us who are American is to remember that Advent starts the Sunday after Thanksgiving this year. That's not always the case. Sometimes we have a full week in between and then we feel like, okay, now I can get ready. But it'll sneak up on us if we're not ready because we're fully thinking about Thanksgiving and then suddenly like, oh my goodness, you know, three days and then Advent begins. So it's helpful to remember that. Yeah, that's really important this year. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right on the heels. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and I think it has to do with the weirdness of Thanksgiving. I don't even get when they, like, I don't even know who it is that decides Thanksgiving, but whoever they are, um, <laughs> Thanksgiving is late this year in November, so that's why. Yeah. yeah. Could you talk a little bit about your personal backstory with Advent and how that led you ultimately to write Shadow and Light? Yeah, so... You know, like I had mentioned before, when my kids were younger, I, I felt this need to make the season a little more official by making sure they knew that 
the season of Christmas was not just about, you know, the commercialism and the things that is very easy in our culture to um, absorb just by being here. I wanted to make sure that they understood, you know, as Christians in our home, that we are remembering specifically an event that happened historically 2000 plus years ago. And that was the birth of Jesus Christ, who we recognized as the incarnate son of God. So I wanted something like that. My kids at the time, my oldest was first grade. And then I don't even remember my younger two. They were little. And um, and so I had little kids. We were homeschooling. And I just wanted to add something into our, our daily rhythm and routine, you know, our morning time and what we talked about. And so Advent became this thing where I hung a calendar on the wall. You know, I, I made a really cool homemade calendar. And we did something new every day. And, you know, we might have just read some part of the Bible. But then we I tried to keep it short and fun by adding something that we would do anyway. It was my thinking, like make paper snowflakes, bake cookies. You know, we lived in Oregon at the time. So go out and build a snowman, some form of activity that we would enjoy regardless. It just made it feel official, which is really great in theory. But the problem was that as an adult, by like December 10th, I was burned out. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) huh, I don't know if I can make every single day magical. (laughs) And furthermore, why am I putting this burden on me to make this magical for my kids, especially, I mean, of course, when I say this in hindsight, because I can see this now, but at the time, I know I meant well, you know, I was in the thick of it. Um, And so what happened for the next several years after that is that I had great intentions to do Advent, but then we would always peter out. And then by the time Christmas was near, it was kind of survival mode, you know, and, and to add on top of that, whenever I would try to find something to read, a lot of things out there were either really too theologically deep for uh, kids, my kids age, or it was a build on story. Like you had to read day two and Mm -hmm. then read day three. And then by day seven, I felt behind because one day we had some kind of outing the next day, the kids needed to go to bed early the next day, whatever. And so we were five days behind. So, you know, it felt like, gosh, to catch up, we would have to read for an hour and a half. And I'm not sure my kids would love that. Um, And so that didn't work. And then I tried like the Jesse tree because I loved the idea of that. But then that's another thing to get behind on. (laughs) And and ultimately, when I would find the things for the little kid, um, I guess, demographic, the, the families with younger kids, I found that so many of them were craft adjacent. And I have no problem with that. But this was in the season when I was learning that I'm not necessarily a crafty mom as much as I would want to be. I am a big fan of having a craft cabinet in our main living space to provide the construction paper and cotton balls and cardboard and googly eyes for those who want to do such things, but I did not want to have to lead with, (laughs) you know, any sort of crafty idea. So all this to say, I couldn't find anything for our family. And it was about 2013, I believe. And I was just feeling that burnout of the season. And I didn't like that. I remember telling my husband, I hate that. I feel like I'm a Scrooge and I just wish this, I wish we could skip the season this year that we had already known that the following year we were going to be backpacking around the world as a family and living out of, you know, one bag each. And that just sounded so freeing. It sounded like a, an invitation to literally maybe skip the season, but also just really down downgrade and simplify. And of course we did because we had to. And so I say all this to say when we came back from that trip and my oldest was then almost 11 and we um, 
kind of had a do-over, I feel like. And so it was around then when I started just doing our own thing. And, and ultimately what became the book, Shadow and Light, is what we did at home and what we did to recognize and, and have, I have now, you know, created it so that other families can enjoy, but it became a ritual that my kids now say is their favorite thing, you know, and, and we have our own traditions and practices that are very easy to implement for anybody else. And they can add more if they want. But the key thing to remember is that Advent is a gift. It's not a burden and it's an invitation, not a requirement. <laughs> so for people listening who think, oh, this sounds great, but that's one more thing to do during the holidays that I don't have time for. That's how I felt too. And I've since learned that that's not at all the posture to take for it because it's it's the exact opposite. Oh, I love that. I love that you shared about like your journey of realizing you're not like the crafty mama like in certain seasons we can be more crafty than other seasons and when you were talking about making your own advent calendar I did that one year and I put these little folded up pieces of paper inside the calendar and the doors were glued shut and so the kids would open one each day and one day I said we're gonna make a gingerbread house from scratch and of course that was the day first of all it, the book I got like these are these are the things you do when you're like at the beginning of that journey of realizing you're not a crafty mom like the book I got was literally like translated it was Norwegian like we're talking like five pounds of flour I mean it was just in, <laughs> insane and it was in there and I couldn't take it out and that was the day that like the realtor called at eight in the morning because our house was for sale and was like we have a showing coming up at 10 and there's like flour everywhere and it just so yeah um Simplicity is good. <laughs> and I love... I think we all have stories like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that you've created um, basically like an open and go kind of resource um, for those who may not have celebrated Advent in the past or for those who are looking, like you said, to really build their own traditions with their mm -hmm. children. I think there's a lot of us out there like that mm -hmm. who are kind of starting over in some ways. Um, and... I also love that you've made it kind of interactive because you've got music and artwork. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, like I had mentioned, since I'm not a crafty mom, I am, you know, I, I am a storytelling mom. I am a books mom and I am an art mom, not artistic, but I love art. And so I figured this is where my strengths lie. I'm going to lean into this. And so we... Um, created sort of a traditional traditional rhythm of reading scripture, talking about it in an age-appropriate way, lighting a candle, and then all this while listening to a particular song, and then ending with some form of historic art to look at while the song wrapped up. So we're talking, you know, a total of five, maybe 10 minutes, depending on the discussion we had. And the reason I wanted to add this is because I wanted to create a, a slightly more three-dimensional um, experience because the holidays are such a sensory time, you know, we've got mm, the smells yeah. and the tastes and, and things like that. And so I figured this is a really easy way to tap into that. Um, I mean, honestly, for me as well, it's not just for the kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I frequently tell people whenever we, we are tempted to over want to overdo the holidays out of um, good intentions that, when you think about your own holidays uh, growing up, do you remember what you got for your ninth Christmas? What was your favorite <laughs> present? Most of us do not, right? But we remember how our homes felt. We, we can generally use descriptors to talk about some 
feeling we had from our mom's, you know, thing that we loved that she cooked, from our dad's jokes, from the family traditions we had. And so to me, it's so much more important as parents for us to remember, we are wanting to create an environment that allows for every member of the house to remember what it is we're truly doing. And so sensory input is a great way to do that. And I love music, yet uh, we have so many Christmas-themed carols that we all know of. So I wanted to create an Advent-specific playlist, you know, one that maybe didn't use the, the songs we all know and love. And so the accompanying playlist for Shadow and Light is Advent-specific music that might surprise people, but is reflective, is about anticipation, is about mm -hmm. expectation, it's about hope. And that's not to say that Christmas music is bad or wrong during Advent. It's simply to give something else, you know. And so that that's the the little backstory behind the music and art. Primarily, it's because I love it, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a really beautiful book. Um, can you talk a little bit about the cover and the artwork? Because I imagine having read your other books, this was a different venture. It looks different. It's Yeah, it, it's a completely different. It's a departure from anything I've written before, for sure. Um, and yet at the same time, it's the same illustrator as my other books. So I love uh -huh. that. So it's my friend, Connie Gabbert, who is just phenomenally talented. She's done my covers. And so it was you know, one of the quick things whenever we were even working on the idea of this book, when I was talking to the publishers, one of my conditions was I would like my friend Connie mm -hmm. to do the, the cover again, because I just love her work. She's now, funnily enough, she's also a tattoo artist now. And oh, in fact, wow. she's done, she did a tattoo on me uh, not too long ago. And so her, her aesthetic kind of has a tattooish likeness, you know, sort that of a vintage. That is so cool. Mm -hmm, I know. And, and so I wanted something that was timeless because to me, when I saw Shadow and Light in my head, it felt like another, it, it felt like a piece of holiday decor almost. Like you could leave it out mm. on the table and it would be pretty, yet it was not just pretty. You know, it wasn't just a tchotchke to leave you. It was actually useful. So I wanted this combination of beauty and goodness and truth all wrapped up into one. And, um, you know, I love the the color choices, the, the navy blue and the lighter blue and the gold. To mm. me, that's a very shadow and light kind of concept. And, and yeah, I wanted something that was just enough unconventional to help you remember that Advent is distinctive from Christmas and yet still be timeless because I want this to be, you know, something you'd be happy to have out for the next 20 years really and use it uh, well. Yeah. Oh, that, that's really thoughtful. I, I love that because yeah, like you said, it could have very easily been something that people threw red and green on there and were like, you know, I mean, and you group it in with your other Christmas books and this way it stands alone and it, it is, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, so I know you talked about these traditions, um, this book coming from what you've built with your own kids. Um, so can you talk a little bit to listeners who have little kids um, who might be too young to understand what's happening, but kind of how you can still use um, this, like you said, as a, as a way to, um, to help them, to help build that tradition, tradition. Yeah. Tradition. <laughs> <laughs> when I first wrote this book, I had three conditions. The first one is that I wanted it timeless. So I didn't want it to be too trendy or too current. The second one is that I wanted it to be ecumenical, meaning everyone from, you know, 
a tradition that had never heard of Advent before, all the way to Catholics and everyone in between. I wanted them to feel like they could use this. And then third, I wanted it to feel multi-generational, meaning empty nesters could use it all the way to college students and then everyone in between. So when it's these young families who have itty bitties, you know, who are perhaps just in the thick of the crazy. The thing I remind, I, I remind them because I had to remind myself is that you don't have to do everything. And because Advent is a gift, you can choose how it best serves your family. And you can remember that you've got many more Advents to come. And so this ideal in your head you could perhaps get there and it will probably change and transform enough to where when you are at the age, say of like my kids, cause my oldest is now almost 16 and um, we have a lot more bandwidth for them to sit and actually have a deep discussion. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to do that all. So, you know, the book roughly has a scripture reading, a short, like couple paragraphs of my own writing. That's like a reflection, a question of the day, a piece of art and a song. And so there's five things per day. I say, pick two of them. You know, yeah. if you can do the song and the scripture, totally fine. If you can, you know, light your candle and look at the art, that's fine. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, keep in mind, the goal is to help your kids um, feel like they're in an environment where they can reflect how they need to reflect best. So the way a two-year-old thinks about the holidays are going to be completely different from a 12-year-old, from a 22-year-old, and that's okay. And that's how it should be. And so to not put that pressure on yourself to do it all. And perhaps if you really want that um, more meaningful, more deeper reflective side, you can do that part on your own. So the questions I ask can be just as easily done in a journal as they can around mm -hmm. the dinner table. And yeah, so to give yourself lots and lots and lots of grace, because it's totally great. And the other thing is, because this book is not a build on book, it's, it's all, um, all the readings are the Psalms. If you read day three, and then you have four days in a row where it's just not going to work for you. And so you have to pick up on day eight, again, you haven't missed anything. You just flip to the next page and open it up. And it's totally okay. It's not like you've, you've missed out on something that you need to go back and, and learn about in order to progress. It, it's truly open and go. That reminds but, me, do you guys do Advent candles? Either of you, the yes, countdown ones? Yeah, um, we do. So yeah, okay. I mentioned this at the beginning of the book. We do the five candles. Is that what you mean? Like, the uh, the, uh, no, um, well, in our family, we had this tradition of doing the countdown ones where on day one, you burn it down to one. And then yes, on day I two, have one. Yeah. I haven't used it yet. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. We always get to like day five and then it's like panic always. around the table because we miss a couple days and like we have fun <laughs> pizza for dinner Friday night. And so we're like watching a movie with it. And the next thing you know, we're like five days behind and we're like trying to frantically burn it I don't think we've ever gotten all the way through one and it it does take something away from like you said the idea of advent being you know a, a gift instead it just becomes this like ordeal and so I love that that you can't get behind with this and resource. I think that's really really important for families especially with little ones and especially this year I feel yeah. like where yeah. things feel a little little I more mean, frazzled than usual and nothing, yeah, we don't know how the season's going to go at all for any of us. You know, we don't know how, you know, whether we're going to get it, get to go out and do anything or if we're going to hunker down and be home the whole time. And so, you know, obviously I couldn't have planned this, but in some ways, if you've never celebrated Advent before, this is a great season or a great year to, mm -hmm. to try it for the first time. First of all, because everything's different. So, 
you know, you could try something new, but secondly, you're probably going to be home more than you thought you were, or than you usually are, I should say. And so all the more important to really, um, focus on how your home feels for the holidays, that your kids don't feel anxious or cabin fevered or, or tense or stressed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I'm curious what your favorite part of Advent is, or what is your family's favorite part of Advent? It's funny you bring up candles because we do this tradition where we roll beeswax candles every year. So we order from this one company that sells Advent candles like in a flat pack, you know, where we just have uh, squares of Advent, I mean, squares of beeswax um, and with the wicks. And it's so funny because like I said, I'm not a crafty mom and my kids are, you know, because 16, almost 13 and 10, they're not super into the googly eye thing anymore, but <laughs> they will fight over who gets to do what candle still. And it's so funny to me because I just sit there at, you know, there's five of us, five candles. I just let them duke it out and just whatever's left I'll do is fine with me. Um, and the other thing that's funny is it literally takes like two minutes because all you do is you put the wick down and you roll it. Yeah. And you're like, fun. <laughs> you stick it to, into the, we have a little log kind of thing. Um, that my husband has made from a tree in the backyard and that is it. But they love lighting this candle or lighting our candles every, every night. So we, we light the candle, we read while the song is playing, we look at the, um, art. And then as soon as the song's over, we blow out the candle because beeswax melts pretty quickly. And so we want them the last till Christmas. It's almost like the opposite problem we have normally, you know, <laughs> it's, right. it's like, keep, keep it going. And it's, 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 we decided that if it burns out, then it burns out. It's no big deal, you know, but, um, it's still sort of a game for us. And it's, you know, it's just funny. Maybe this is encouraging. Maybe it's not that, you know, you can have a 16 and 13 year old fight over who gets to light the candle still. <laughs> and so it's, it's so ridiculous. And I say this as my favorite part, just because I know that this isn't going to last forever. You know, I've only got a few years left for my kids to be at home. And so I'm just trying to enjoy it. I, I want to enjoy the cacophony. And, you know, the other thing I should say, is during this whole thing, you know, the lighting of the candles, I'm still in that age, like where the 10 year old cannot sit still and they have to get up. And so we let them play Lego and we let them, you know, do somersaults on the couch and that's okay because, you know, so I don't want to give the impression that my kids all sit perfectly and, and have deep <laughs> theological insights to every, you know, every mm -hmm. evening's reading. Cause that's not at all where we're at. You know, we, we rush through this as well, just like everybody else sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. We got we have to set reasonable expectations for ourselves and our kids, um, especially this year because. Yeah. Um, and and you touched on this a little bit, but um, with you know, twenty twenty being so unpredictable and who knows what's going to happen next, and, um, you know, it is more overwhelming than usual. So can you just talk a little bit about how, um, I find that you know there's a lot of peace in having something that we do together, um, you know, each day, whether it's perfect or not, you know, <laughs> whether it's messy and a little, <laughs> um, you know, like you said, the kids are fighting or somebody's jumping off the couch. But, um, I mean, right now you said families might actually kind of have an opportunity to add something that could, uh, I don't know, change, change their, family's um future way of celebrating I guess yeah yeah I mean not only is this a great year to try something new but it's also all the more important in 2020 to mark our time you know we've all had that feeling 
the past few months where everything kind of feels the same. And I know I do. And yet we're all craving the holidays. Anytime I talk to anybody, it's like more than any other year, we feel this like longing for some goodness and some light um, for so many reasons in 2020. And, and so it's good for us to mark time. I think, I mean, it's always good for us, but it's especially good right now when things, we kind of have a little bit of that, malaise or that acedia you know where it's like we care we want to care but it just it feels so hard to do more than pour a cup of coffee and just do the thing in front of us mm-hmm. that when we add a little bit of structure to our days and a little bit of a countdown you know a, a slow walk to something good we we remind ourselves to simplify and slow down and enjoy the journey even if it feels like the days can be repetitive you know like i had mentioned with advent being a season of waiting and expectation. It's it's a lot of times, you know that how kids can be so excited about, I mean, like a vacation or a birthday or in this case, Christmas. And it's almost like the anticipation is more of a thrill than the, the thing itself. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of that kind of letdown. I think the cool thing about Advent is that you can draw out that expectation more by holding back just a little bit. So, you know, like I had mentioned before that there's a separate season of Christmas and Advent when you can hold back on some of those Christmas things to Christmas tide, then it makes it all the more enjoyable once you get to enjoy it. And so, and I, you know, like I'd mentioned, I'm into the sensory stuff. So a lot of times we'll just do really simple things like um, slowly decorate the tree, for example. When we do that, you know, it's a good visual reminder that we don't have to rush through the season in order to just make it as magical as possible, you know. So we will put up our tree around Thanksgiving and then a few days later, maybe put on the lights and then let them just be the lights for like a week. And then the next week and add a few ornaments. And then the next week and add a few ornaments more. And it's not to like delay or just drag out a chore. It's not like that. It's to have these reminders that we're building to something. Yeah. We're, we're, we're kind of like when you have a, a guest coming over for dinner, we're, we're doing the things in order to have the event instead of just trying to make every single day a special event. And so to me, marking time is so important right now, especially if we're going to be home a lot, mm-hmm. um, just to savor those little moments all the more. Yeah. I love the idea of a slow walk. <gasps> That's exactly what I was going to say. A slow yeah. walk to something good. It feels, Those are it really feels powerful manageable words. right now, you yeah. know, where there's just so much, but a slow walk to something good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love right. that. And yeah. as somebody who also has a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, I will say that the delight of of decorating the tree all at once has worn off and now we're kind of at the point where we go through that and it's like oh yeah do you remember when you loved blues clues do you remember when it's this and the kids are kind of like yeah and they put that one up and then they put another one up and then it's kind of like hmm so I like <laughs> the idea of like spacing it out and right. not trying to cram it all into one tree trimming thing when the truth is nobody's really super into it here anymore so right. maybe we can make right. it intentional and and um yeah, a, a reminder mm-hmm. of like the season that we're in instead of just trying That's to right. put every ornament on there up at once. <laughs> yeah. And then the nice thing about it is that once you get to Christmas, you know, so many times we're sick of it by like December 27th, 28th. We're like, get this tree down. Mm-hmm. I, I'm tired of looking at it. I want my house to feel decluttered and I want a fresh start. Well, with Christmas being 12 days long, you're actually kind of ready for it instead of sick of it. 
you know, and I, the world around us has moved on, you know, no more Christmas music suddenly and, and people are ready to end it. And we're not purists here. We're not like everybody, come on, it's still Christmas. You're supposed to be in this mood, but we do what we can in our own home. And so that's the time when we do things like bake for, you know, a lot of stuff just because we can and, and we listen to the music and we watch all the movies and, you know, we're not purists where we hold back on absolutely everything in Advent, but it does make it more fun when we've held back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, that's wonderful. Just before you go, we wanted to ask um, you to tell people where they can find you and your books. And of course, we'll link to all your books in the show notes over at the Homeschool Sisters as well. Yeah, so I have um, a number of things. You know, I've got a newsletter and a podcast and books, but it's just easy to tell everybody I'm at tishoxenwriter.com because that's where you can find links to everything. And my name is spelled super weird, so it's T-S-H without an I. And Oxen writer is weird too, <laughs> but it, once you start <laughs> typing in TSH and then OX, you get the idea. But tishoxenwriter.com has links to everything that you can find, including shadow and light. Wonderful. And yeah, like I said, we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes over at thehomeschoolsisters.com. And thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really wonderful. And hearing you talk about that breakdown of you know, a slow time of a slow walk and then also stretching out Christmas, I feel like that could really take a lot of pressure off of a lot of families. So, so definitely, um, definitely uh, we'll have a link to your book where people can find it. Yeah. I mean, Advent truly is a gift and not a burden. So because of that, it's a gift to go slowly and I'm, I'm all the more ready for it. And I'm sure most of us are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank, Thank you, you, too. It's been okay. great chatting with y'all. Bye. 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 See ya. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to answer your question next, so head to our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com, and click on Ask Us a Question. We share posts over there, too, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes so we can connect with more sisters out there. And until next time, remember, you've got this, sister. Thank you.